You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man-to-man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. Cause Stone Cold sets up. If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Custom Cold sets up. If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. You know, I usually at this time of year say we made it, but man, the older I get, the more I do this. There really is no off season. It's just kind of, it's just that roller coaster where you might hit a little low, and now we're just crescendoing to the top. Um, Texas starts practice this week. Steve Sarkeesian press conference. We're recording this on a Tuesday, so we're a few hours away from Steve Sarkeesian's state of the program press conference. Practice starts Wednesday. It's a beautiful thing to be alive in Austin, Texas, following football, and we'll get to uh, we'll get to some of it as the Longhorns get going this week. Um, first off, before we get started. Thank you so much for uh, your support of Longhorn Blitz, wherever you're listening, however you're listening. We thank you so much for being a part of this week's presentation. A couple of ways you can get this podcast. You can hear it Tuesday nights. That is subject to change. We'll be switching the broadcast schedule up. We'll keep you updated on that Tuesday nights and Thursday nights for right now at 7 o'clock on The Horn. That's 1049-1019 AM 1260 on The Horn app and at You can go to horns247.com where you get the latest and greatest on Longhorn team news, notes, and nuggets. The best recruiting coverage in the Texas market with Mike Roach and Hudson Standish is at horns247.com, powered by the 24-7 Sports Network. And you can get it anywhere you get your podcast. Search Horns 24-7. That's Horns 247. No dashes, no slashes, no spaces. Click that follow button. Get every episode of Longhorn Blitz when it drops on Tuesdays. One quick, actually a couple of quick housekeeping items that both tie together. I mentioned this a while back. The Longhorn Blitz pod, uh, Twitter account was hacked uh, several months ago. I was locked out. Somebody went in, changed the email address. I couldn't get in. So, and basically, Twitter is really just awesome. Just awesome with how you know their level of customer support. So, uh, the real Longhorn Blitz Twitter account, the one that we will be using moving forward, is at Longhorn underscore Blitz. I know it's pretty spare to put an underscore in your Twitter handle, but. Longhorn underscore Blitz is the legit, real, for real Longhorn Blitz Twitter account. You'll see Matt and I both follow that Twitter account, so um, that will be our Twitter account. Also, something else I wanted to do because we all get Twitter DMs and I get messages on, in my inbox at Horns 24-7 on the flagship message board. I just wanted one area where people who want to give us props, criticism, ask questions, whatever it is, I just needed a one-stop shop for that to happen. So all of your questions, concerns, comments regarding Longhorn Blitz, 
longhornblitzpod at gmail.com. We have an email address for the show now, so if you want to shoot us an email, that will probably be the best way to do it. Or you can DM us on Twitter at the legit Longhorn Blitz Twitter account. Don't I don't if you DM the other one, I don't know. You could end up getting hacked and interacting with somebody. Before you know it, you're selling PS5s on Twitter. I have no idea what that is all about, but just a couple of quick housekeeping items. Now we can go ahead and get on with the show. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about you? I'm just I'm excited that uh, who got a little bubble throat right there. Sorry. Um, I'm I'm excited and kind of curious that everything I was running down just tickled the third member of our team just now. He's a renaissance man. He wears numerous hats, uh, including co-hosting Ball Don't Lie with Mike Hards from three to seven on the horn but for the purposes of this podcast he is our lockdown corner here on longhorn blitz lifetime longhorn 2002 ut all-american 2002 semifinalist for the jim thorpe award fourth round draft choice of the new york giants back in 2003 spent his nfl career with the giants lions bears bucks broncos and a year with the hamilton tiger cats of the cfl when he was done with football he got himself back to austin texas and the 40 acres where he earned his degree whenever that t-ring comes back in we will make sure he wears it proudly nevertheless he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thank you for the intro, that. Everybody, everybody feeling good? We're all, all, all doing well? Our, our football pants are on. Not that we ever take our football mm-hmm. pants off on this show, but they're on, they're strong, and we're ready to rock and roll. Um, I want to start with this. We talk, well, Obviously, we talk a ton of football theory on this podcast, but I just – I want to start here, and maybe we can branch off from wherever. Uh, and you guys tell me if this bores you, intrigues you, whatever. Uh, but, Rod, you were you were co-hosting this discussion with Mike Harge. Uh, I was at the vet with my dog, having some dog issues, so I couldn't be a part of the Horn Top 20 Roundtable when our Top 20 that's currently airing on the station was discussed. And big topic of discussion, I talked about it, on Friday, I sat in with Chad Hastings for an hour of shirts and skins, and we talked about this. Should Texas be ranked in the top 20? Should they not? And I, I really just sat down and started thinking about this, and when we think about win totals, and we used to play the schedule game on this podcast. We won't anymore, but we might get to a modified version of it today because um, I might have to with the numbers I'm about to run down. But I started thinking, about, okay, it de- I guess it depends on how you look at a preseason poll. Do you look at a preseason poll and say, okay, this is to the to start the season at the start, and you're basically going to make it like a horse race. This is where I I, I think kind of everybody stacks up going into the year. Or mm-hmm. do you look at a preseason poll and say, this is where I think everybody's going to be at the end of the year, and I'll just let it sort it out. So um, here's how I think you can look at Texas. You can look at Texas two different ways. The, the AP poll started running – consistently in 1936 that 36 really starts the AP poll era which that kind of blows up our theory rod like if you won a national championship while hitler was still roaming this earth can you really call it legit but um basically if you won a, a national title before the AP poll started running consistently i don't know if i can really Pre-hitler. give it all that much credence <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if we should, now, now that i think about it, i don't know if we should we should time stamp our college football De- eras by Hitler's Agreed. Hitler's Pre- status on this earth, but um, at any rate, so the the AP poll started running in thirty six. Starting in nineteen sixty was when they first issued a preseason AP poll. So this year will be the fourteenth time that Texas will be coming off of a losing season 
in the preseason AP poll era. Okay. So the I looked at the previous 13 times Texas has come off of a losing season. Where did Texas rank in the preseason AP poll? Nine of those 13 years, Rod, in the ensuing preseason poll, Texas was not ranked. Coming off of a losing season, not ranked to start the to start the next year. The four times Texas was ranked coming off of a losing season, they were ranked in the preseason AP poll. 1992, John Makovic's first year, they were ranked 25th. 2011, when Mac was still getting the benefit of the doubt, they were 24th. Uh, 2015, coming off of Charlie Strong's first season, they were 24th. And then in 2017, Tom Herman's first year, they were 23rd. So that tells you, and, and this is how I think of it. I think most AP poll voters, at least the the ones that I talk to, I think once they get, whether you're doing a preseason poll, in-season poll, whatever, I think once you get past that 12 to 15 range, at that point you've already ranked all the teams that you think have a, you know, you've got your national title contenders, but that 12 to 15 range, that's the last group of teams that you're thinking, okay, man, if something breaks right for this team, they've got a real chance to go get in the playoff, go win a national championship. Once 16 and down, I think beauty's in the eye of the beholder. At that point, you're especially a preseason poll. You're looking at okay, where are my group of fives? My Appalachian states, or my UTSA's, or Coastal Carolina, whoever it is. Those group of fives that I think are going to win 11, 12 games, win a conference championship. You're also looking at okay, uh, a team like Texas, a team like USC, somebody that had a down year last year, uh, a Florida, for instance. Because I think AP poll voters look at it and think a preseason poll man just. How many brands, how many of those sexy brands can you just get in at the bottom of your poll just to make your poll look good? Like there's some AP poll voters that think, man, if you if you have Texas or Florida or USC and there's a number next to it signifying a ranking, it just looks that much better. It's just better for college football when that happens. So I think that's why you've seen Texas. That's just basically those four years. It's just either Texas getting the benefit of the doubt or, hey, new head coach, and we'll see if this guy can get things turned around. You know, ultimately – Preseason polls are stupid, all right? So because preseason polls are stupid and they are only to encourage discourse and conversation, in this market, we're going to put Texas in our top 20. Yeah. Because it makes sense in this market. Now, nationally and all the other stuff, that's a different conversation. But we don't know what preseason polls are. Are they to determine how the season finishes? Are they to determine how the season is supposed to start? We have no idea what preseason mm-hmm. polls are. Nobody actually even tells you. You just kind of just make your own interpretation and determination. So they are stupid. And the polls that only matter really are the ones that come out after like a month and a half or two months of actual football substance that we can watch. So, yes, I love them because I do stupid stuff. Stupid <laughs> stuff is fun, all right? Whether it be video games or doing stupid stuff, it's fun. And this is one of those stupid things that's fun. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. Okay. And we shouldn't take it too seriously, but it is fun to talk about. Well, and while we're on that point, to look at even the ones that start to count really don't count until the end of the season because they're generated for ratings because you're able to get such a great Tuesday through Saturday interaction by just talking about you know everything's going to change. Not everybody's played the same schedule. Everything at that point is unfair to use against one another because you don't have it weighted. Well, this team's already played Texas and Oklahoma, and they're undefeated. But then you'll always see those front-loaded and back-loaded schedules. Like you'll see your teams like Tech and Baylor start out 7-0 and and then fall off a cliff. And that's just sort of how those schedules are built out. Oklahoma State doesn't play Oklahoma until the last week of the year. So we know like these things are not going to fill out across the board, but it makes for the conversation like you were saying, but it's really hard to sort of project or predict those type of things. Okay, so Rod, more pertinent then to what you're talking about is the final AP poll. Once the dust settles, kind of where, where do these teams land? And for me, I'm thinking a good year for Texas would be 9-4. and four. 
Nine and four would be a good year. That's eight and four in the regular season. Get you a ninth win with a bowl game. You're nine and four. Okay. And that's kind of where we'll start this discussion. And, and, and I, I think it's one of these two outcomes for Texas. It, to me, it's kind of the baseline for Sark's second season. I went and looked at the last 10 final AP polls, the final AP poll that comes out. And I wanted to find the where was the first nine and four team ranked. So I looked at the, mm-hmm. the last 10 AP polls. Where is the first nine and four team ranked? On average, the first nine and four team comes in at 17th. Okay. okay. Sense, yeah. So hold that thought. So think nine and four. Ranked about 17th in the AP poll. Uh, I also looked at the last 10 AP polls, and did you know there have been four 8 and 5 teams that made the final AP poll? Auburn was ranked, Auburn, uh, Michigan, I'm sorry, at 8 and 5 was ranked 24th in 2012. Auburn at 8 and 5 was ranked 22nd in 2014 and 24th in 2016. And then Texas in Tom Herman's penultimate season in 2019, 8 and 5. Texas came in at number nine. At uh, I'm sorry, at number twenty five in the final AP poll in twenty nineteen. So mm. that's kind of what you're looking at. At eight and five, you're a fringe top twenty five team. At nine and four, you are solidly in the top twenty to end the season. So I'll, I say all that to boil it down. Rod in Steve Sarkeesian's second season is a nine and four finish and a top twenty ranking in the final AP poll. Is that progress? Oh yeah. That's okay. that would be amazing if he could do that. I think Lohan. You're fans, saying amazing. Yeah, I mean, because you're coming off five and seven. Yeah, I could say that's be pretty damn good. That to me is a success story. Because I'm seeing it already. Nine wins. I only ask you that, Rod, because I'm seeing it already. I'm seeing, hey, got a chance to go win ten. Maybe you can get in the Big Twelve yeah, championship. Yeah, you have a chance. Game. I have a chance to sleep with Beyonce, but it ain't gonna happen. You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah, you can talk chance all you want to, but talk about reality. Let's talk about that defense. You can score forty points a game, and you still may end up with eight nine wins. Look at that Kansas game. You scored a lot of points, and you still lost. Why? Mm -hmm. Because your defense was a sieve. Mm -hmm. All right, so we can talk about that offense all day. The offense is great. It's going to be awesome, and they may very well average 40 points a game. What have they done on defense? Crickets. Crickets. Yeah. Let's be honest. Crickets. Now, they've shoved some things around, put some personnel in different places, and maybe they've developed some players, but the truth is in terms of just substantive change in the offseason that we can see. They've done really nothing to improve what is what was one of the worst defenses in Texas football history. Special teams is also going to be a question mark because you lost Very a so. ton on special teams. Mm-hmm. So listen, there are three phases of a game, and I know we get really excited about offense because we are fantasy football generation, and I get it, and I love that. That's awesome, all right? But the truth is this ain't the old school Big 12 where everybody's trying to outscore one another. This is a different Big 12 with the hybrid spread schemes you talk about all the time with defenses. All right. Defenses that actually know how to neutralize different offensive constructs and concepts. So, listen, I, I'm I, I'm as a realistic Longhorn fan. Um, I, I drink some of the Kool-Aid, but I sip it. All right. A lot of you guys out there are just taking it straight to the head. Yeah. You guys are having benders off this damn stuff. I'm just sipping it on the weekends. And I think a nine win season for Texas to me will be considered a success in your second season for start coming out a five and seven first season. 100%. And if you were to look at just like the Vegas odds across the board, that would be going over because like DK DraftKings still has I mean, Texas eight at eight. And then you have, yeah. uh, well, it all depends on the juice. Uh, okay. Eight and a half Vegas insiders at eight and a half. At uh, DK's at eight, but it's minus 135 to where the going under eight's at plus 
115, so it's really weighted by more than 50% that way. So they think it's definitely, if you were to bet, it's favored to go over eight, which would put us right at nine. Yeah, okay. Rod, I'm, I'm going to need you and or Jesus to take the wheel because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose my ever-loving mind when I see <laughs> it this fall because I know I'm going to see it. There's going to be some national talking head or some national writer that starts tweeting out something. Oh, nobody plays defense in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. Texas starts scoring all these points. Oh, they've got a chance. Nobody plays defense in the Big 12. It yeah. just, it, it like, it, it just makes my blood boil. And like, it's the reason why, like, my doctor's like, hey, you need to live in a stress free environment. Well, it's impossible <laughs> in the world Texas I work football. in to live in a stress free <laughs> environment. Did you know, Rod? You're killing Jeff. Did you, did you know last year? And, and we, we, I go through these numbers every year, and I'm just, I'm like, man, I, I know there's good defenses in the Big 12, but this good. Do you know there were four Big 12 defenses last year that finished in the top 16 in the country mm-hmm. in defensive SP Plus last year? Oh, yeah. Uh, Oklahoma State fourth. Mm-hmm. Baylor was 13th. K State was 16th. Iowa State was ninth. Or actually, I'm sorry, in the top 19. Because Iowa State was 19th. Top I can't 20. read my own handwriting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I'm not shocked by that at all. I'm not surprised. And honestly, I think the trend will continue because Venables is a defensive-minded guy, so I think he'll get Oklahoma's defense right. Iowa State continues to be a premier, at least conceptually, a, a premier defense in defending spread concepts. Oklahoma State, they're going to continue the exact same scheme that they ran with Jim Knowles. Now, rather, uh, you know, was it Mason? Who was he? Who was he? Derek Mason. Yes. Right, Derek Mason. And whether he can call games like Jim Knowles called them, I don't know because Jim Knowles was a great play caller defensively. But they're going to run the same defensive concept and construct, and they're also going to stick with their positionless football mm-hmm. mentality. You know Dave Aranda's not going to let Baylor's defense fall off very much. That's his mentality. So I just think, you know, and we were all thinking that PK, who came in saying that, uh, you know, t- allowing 20 points per game was his goal, right? uh, that he was going to come in with a defensive mindset too and change and transmogrify the Texas defensive culture. That has not happened yet. Um, but yeah, man, Texas. I mean, listen, Big Twelve is a is a it is a defensive run game, ball control culture now. It is a, a running league, cross dressing as a passing league. Yep. And I, hell, I think even PK got fooled, honestly. Yeah, it's reading some of them reports instead of watching the damn teams. Thinking like, oh, yeah, they're going to throw it about a ton. No, well, they're going to spread you out. They're going to look like they're going to throw up. They're going to run it down your effing throat. By the way, Texas 83rd last year at defensive SP+. Plus. That's, that's better than I thought they'd be. <laughs> <I'm What>? <laughs> uh, that would have been third from the bottom in the Big 12. You had TCU at 109, Kansas at 126. Yeah, and when you go across the board and look at the way that the, – because you had the, not only the perception that it was an offensive league – but then that the defenses were bad, and we talked all throughout the season that it had flipped, and you'd mm-hmm. got to the point that it was like a Big Ten conference when you looked at the Big 12 teams were like the Big Ten teams. Top teams were all in eh, top 50, top 60 offense, but a top 20 defense. And you had that all the way across the board, and somehow Texas had became the one school, Texas and TCU, that had flipped and had became a potent offense and a team with no defense across the board. And it was like... Texas was a team from the Big 12 a decade ago. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it all season long, and we were trending against the grain of the rest of the conference. Well, and I don't think they were doing it intentionally. No. Like, honestly, the, the truth is Sark could have won more games, but he kept trying to play complimentary football. 
And I've been saying it all offseason with the question marks on special teams Mm -hmm. and the uncertainty on defense, whether all the moves you made will work. Hopefully Gary Patterson's presence makes a big difference too. Hopefully development makes a big difference. But if, if Sark is counting on those other two phases of the game, all right, to uplift the football team so he can play uh, a balanced style of football, complimentary football, as he calls it, that would be a dang coaching mistake, Sark, a bad coaching mistake. You need to go old school Big 12 football and go and double down on it, yeah. triple down on it. You need to go all gas, no brakes, with NOS, and strap some some jet packs on back of the damn car, all right, jet engines, so you can just go all on offense. You cannot mm-hmm. depend on that. And, you need to, and I, I saw uh, earlier, what is that, la- earlier last month, that they were giving props to Lane Kiffin because Lane Kiffin set the NCAA record for fourth down attempts. Mm-hmm. He went for it on fourth down more than any team in the history of FBS. And I said, honestly, Sark should be in that conversation next year. With all those weapons that he has, with Bijan, with the Wildcat, with Rojo, averaging over seven yards per rush, and you've got Bijan, and you got uh, weapons around those guys like X-Man, and you'll have Jatavion Sanders, all these different weapons that you can utilize, Isaiah Nayor. You should be going for it on fourth down more. You shouldn't be giving the football back. If there's a fourth and short and a fourth and two, you should have a whole set of plays, creative concepts ready to attack teams on fourth down. Um, because if I was him, I'd I'd be willing to be a gambler more yep. oftentimes than not this season because I think you need to make sure that your your game plan, your blueprint to run disproportionately, disproportionately um, depends on your offense. Mm-hmm. Your offense is how you're going to win games. Not your defense and not your special teams. Your special teams and defense are going more likely not to lose you games this year. So if I'm sorry, I, I don't even want them exposed. Yeah. I want them out there as little as possible. Yeah, I want my smart. offense on the field as much as possible. Last year, we were wanting them to be more of a risk taker on defense. If you're already a bad defense, it only makes sense that you take the risk that maybe if you were a good complementary team, you don't do such things. But if you're self scouting and understand what your team does good and what they do wrong, that's where you go and do that. And even because last year, Texas ended up with like almost like a top 10 special teams unit when you look overall, which is crazy. Really yeah, and it, you look at it that way, yeah. you're like, well, man, on defense is where you could have got some of those possessions you were back. Top 20 special teams and offense in the country. Yeah. That's how bad your defense was. You were top 20 offense and special teams, basically. Mm -hmm. And then when you look across the culture, it didn't matter if you flipped the field or not. (laughs) Your defense is so bad. Yeah. That's what you wanted to have. And then (laughs) if we're talking about fourth downs, and uh, Bill Conley did a good article a couple months ago just looking at the trends, and he pointed out a lot of the stuff how Lane Kiffin's just all in on the analytics. But when you look at just the culture of college football across the board in say just the last five years you say in 2017 fourth and ones teams were only going for it 60 percent of the time last year it's 74 percent of the time teams were going for it on fourth and one that's up 14 percent how about in fourth and two scenarios 36 percent back in 2017 all the way up to 49% Ooh, like in yeah, two, 2021. Good so numbers, you aren't bro. even catching up against the Good field numbers. when you're going and looking in at it. Even if you look at fourth and three and fourth and four, it's 22 to 28. And then fourth and five and fourth and six, it's 14 to 17. So it goes up across the board. And he even broke the NFL numbers. Fourth and one, it went up from 2017, 44% up to 70%. Fourth and two, up from 18% in 2017 to 41%. 
Yeah. Like the everybody's NFL is way ahead of it now. And, and college is actually behind in that respect, which yeah. is usually not the case. Usually exactly. The college game is ahead of the NFL game, but the NFL, they're starting to go for it a ton now. Fourth and one, fourth and two, fourth and three, mm-hmm. and also two point conversion attempts yep. are going up in the NFL. So if I'm Sark, I, both of those should be up this year. Your two-point mm-hmm. conversion attempt should be up, and your fourth and one and fourth and two. Fourth and three, I start to think about it, but fourth and one, man, I'd be I'd be all gas, no brakes, no yep. pun intended. And every single, when you look at it <laughs> every year, you're losing value on it. If you were you one are. doing that, Great you point. were ahead of the field. But Great now point. you're talking about, well, on your schedule, there probably be two of those teams that yep. are going to be doing that when they weren't doing that to you before. Amen, and bro. this year, like if you look at the Big 12 odds, they are bunched together. You have mm-hmm. Texas and Oklahoma. OU, you would say, is a favorite two to one across, like, I looked at four different books. Texas is 2.5 to 2.8 to one. Then you have the Baylor Oklahoma State group is between five and a half and six and a half to one. And then you have K State, TCU, Iowa State. You have K State, TCU at 12 to 15 to one. Iowa State is wide ranging from 11 to 20. To one. So, I mean, you're talking about right there, you have six, seven schools that have a realistic shot at doing it. That's good stuff. Did uh, did John Harbaugh start that trend in the NFL, right? Because I remember he was... He, he was big on it, yeah. It was John Harbaugh because he brought in his own analytics team. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then he decided, yeah, that he was going to go against the grain. He wasn't really... i say the first one that really changed the game was Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson yeah, basically okay. won the Super Bowl in mm-hmm. 2017. Mm-hmm. And one, one, and I would say to, to win the Super Bowl, you basically have to separate yourself conceptually, schematically, and sometimes tactically, strategically, what you do in your front office. But you've got to separate. And, and, and Rams have a ton of these, right? The Rams, they do so many things different than everybody else. Cash over cap, right? They're the first ones to say, you know what? First mm-hmm. round picks are overvalued. We don't give a damn about them, right? We're going we're gonna, to we, yeah. we're gonna basically trade away our first round picks and we're going to contend on more. We're going to depend on more mid-round picks. Uh, empty formation, right? Let the NFL in empty formation this year. Uh, they're the first ones in the NFL that I heard of that have a scout specifically for special teams. I mean, all he does he's great every player coming out in the draft as a special teams grade hmm. so basically when you get your yeah. evaluation they put a little slash there and they go well as a special teams player he also gives you this and they go okay i like that that's added, added value. value there boom that's all right so they do roster a, manufacturing they, depth yeah exactly like, they do a ton to separate themselves from the rest of the league doug peterson did this in 2017 um because he started going fourth uh fourth and fourth and one fourth and two he started going for it a more than anybody else in nfl history at that point also two-point conversions he was going for more two-point conversions than anybody else in nfl history at that point and that was a great way of him separating from the rest of the league he was a riverboat gambler and they were extremely efficient in it they mm-hmm. were so efficient in their uh fourth down conversions and their two-point uh two-point conversion attempts that year that really the rest of the league just took a long time to catch up so he was the I, I think he was the game changer because he won the Super Bowl doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think John Harbaugh did it first, but he won the Super Bowl doing it. And after that, it was it was all it, you know it was all hands on deck. Pretty much. everybody everybody was doing it. Was like Mike this. Leach was ahead of well, it in the that, Big Twelve. Yeah. I hated those tech teams because they were the only team that you're like you need Boy, to stop them for. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Yep. If, if if in the college level, if it was anybody but Mike Leach that started the fourth down trend, it probably would have caught on earlier, right? Because it's Mike Leach, and he's like, oh, he's quirky. He's you know, he's out there, whatever. It's he's just an It's just this weird Mike Leach quirk yeah. that he's got. Like, it's no, all intertwined with the analytics coming in exactly at the right. same time. You know, like there's a lot of different veins that caused it to happen. But once you got more and more people looking at the numbers and being like, no, this just makes sense. Like when you get somebody from outside of football. 
could come in and look. And that's a lot of the mm-hmm. time people outside of football weren't allowed inside football, but numbers sort of changed that along like post money ball, like the early 2000s. There were some teams doing such things, but it took a good decade before anybody became mainstream in football yeah. doing it. Yeah, and when you're good at it, it helps too, right? In 2018, Texas with Bam Bam Sam, they were really good at short yardage situations. So I think there, Tom Herman went for more fourth downs then because mm-hmm. why wouldn't you? You got fourth and one and you got a wrecking ball in the backfield. Also, you can hand off the ball. So it, it depends on the style of play and what you have. Like, it makes sense with the Baltimore Ravens now when they have Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should go for it more yeah. on fourth downs. I think you'll see Philadelphia this year with Jalen Hurts go for it more on fourth down because the way he likes to run it. I wouldn't be surprised if Buffalo is up there oh, yeah. really high. All the all the teams with true dual threat quarterbacks will Chargers will are gonna to stay up there. Yeah. And don't be surprised if Bam Bam Sam with Frank Reich, mm-hmm. they actually use him as a short yeah. yardage weapon on fourth down two He's a Philly offensive coordinator. Because Jacoby Brissett, when Jacoby Brissett, exactly great point about that. He was, he was on Philly that Philly offense team. But when uh Jacoby Brissett was their backup quarterback, remember they used him as a short yardage uh runner too. Oh yeah. They'd bring him in on fourth down attempts, fourth and short, bring him in on two point conversions. So you can do the same thing and Bam Bam Sam would be way better at that and I do think that was part of the attraction a lot of other things but that's part of the attraction so I think you'll see Sam's situation this year in that in that same type of mode yeah because it, yeah, I've always joked around about that odd uh teams of infatuation with Westlake quarterbacks because you had uh, Nick Foles coming in and winning and then Frank <laughs> Reich has Ellinger there and then I'm thinking back with Brissett Brissett was a guy even at the Patriots when Brady was hurt or gone. If you remember back, who's the best converter of fourth and ones in NFL history? It's Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Tom Brady's amazing. Yeah. He they've You're been right. going for it forever. Great point. But they only go for it on fourth and one because it was QBC. a specific Brady, go for it. And he was there like 90%. It was something oh, it, it's freaking still, it's like I'll pull up the number. conversion yeah. rate or something like that. Yeah, yeah I've, Tom, I've got it in my notes. I've won, I've won bar bets with that. Yeah, Asking who's the best converter of fourth and ones in NFL history, and nobody will bet, guess Tom Brady. Yeah. Thomas Edward. Um, <laughs> what? I just want to throw this out there. Am, because as we're talking about this, going for it on fourth down, I keep going back to special teams. And like you said, Rod, even even though you had the ability to flip the field last year, it didn't matter. Mm-mm. Am I that, now? I'm struggling with it. Should I be more worried? Like, am I? I I'm more concerned about special teams than I am defense because my bar with the defense is set so low. I can see that. And but like we just said, I'm thinking more so about the punting game. If the defense is bad, it doesn't matter if you flip the field or not. It's at some point the dam is going to break. But I mean, Cameron Dicker. People can say what they want about him as a field goal kicker, but he was. You felt like for the most part you could trust him if you you send him out there to kick a field goal. There's some level of trust. Oh yeah. Now it's just a complete unknown whether it's Burt Auburn or Will Stone or whoever. Yep. I don't know if Quinn Ewers can drop kick. I don't know what you're going to do. But whatever you decide your field goal kicking situation is, uh, you don't have near the level of trust in it that you. There's no level of trust. And think about it. Even when we've had good kickers here, we've seen their growing pains. Hell, we remember Long Ball Dixon. He mm-hmm. had some growing pains when he was a young kicker. You remember yeah. Anthony Farah the year before he was a Groza finalist? Exactly. I mean, he'll dick and a kicker. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, though, young kickers, I'll get some, I'm with you, Jeff. I, I know we got some quality kickers there, but young kickers have growing pains. He's going to have Such brain farts. He's going to have bad early. games. Exactly. And that may coincide with a game where the offense is off or something like that. And then 
That's how you lose football games. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's that simple. Just the natural <laughs> nature of football fans versus kickers. Once there's a mistake, oh, it's all you remember. Because like Dicker's like one of the best kickers in school history. Yes, he is. But people would also at times not feel as if he was reliable, even though if you look at him in the, the context of yeah. the of college football kickers, he was great. I Good mean, point. to your point, Matt, like Nick Rose, I thought ended up being a pretty solid kicker by the time he left Texas. But what does everybody remember Nick Rose for? The mm-hmm. best PAT against Cal. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. Yep, and like the hair dude. Wasn't he the, the weird hair? And he would oh, do like the, kind of was he the front flip or the back flip? Oh, I think he did flip. One of those yeah. guys was doing yeah, flips. Yeah, I think and that kicking, was the girl. Going viral. He, was, he got a little shot in the league for a little bit. Didn't yeah, he? yeah, with the he Falcons. Yeah. Uh, I think he was kicking around in the USFL. He got or a little something. taste in the league. I believe, I, remember I believe you're right, Matt. I yeah, I've seen his name recently. Yeah, he's a New Jersey general. Hey, Nick A. Rod, I want to get your take on this though, and Matt, I don't know if you got any extra numbers, but. You know, again, we don't. Play. Oh, yeah, we I got it real quick. Sorry, looking for this this Tom Brady stat for for Matt. Um, QB's rushing production is short yardage, one to three yards to go since twenty fifteen. Right? Is that what we're looking at here? Uh, you can, yeah. What is it? I believe right here it has. Um, I can pull up the Brady. It has Tom Brady at eighty four percent. That's pretty good. Good lord. And that's one to three. That's one of three. Exactly. Yeah, so not I could, fourth I, and I didn't one. Get the fourth, I, I wanted to get fourth and one, but I got, I'll yeah. pull up. There was a New York Times and article And this has anything over ago. five attempts, so it's got him at 84% right here. And that's from um, Sharp just, Football. Just the last six years, too. Yeah, so yeah, so not the career, but just showing you, giving you a little, he's really good at it. Like, yes. he's really good at it. Amazing. Right. Anyway, sorry to interrupt, Jeff. Go ahead. Continue. No, anytime you talk about quarterback rushing numbers, I just like to throw out that Dan Marino ran for 87 yards in his career. <laughs> what? Nice. That is a great stat. It's actually impressive. I, used to, it is impressive. I couldn't remember. I thought it was like 84. I was like, it was like 84, that was 87. Yeah. Dan Marino, 87 rushing yards in his yeah, career. Yeah, because honestly, I don't think I could ever picture Dan Marino running outside of that. I don't think I've ever seen him scramble. Especially, Dan, especially yeah. Dan Marino post Achilles tear. It's like, dude, if, you, statue. if he don't get rid of the ball, it's, it's you're giving up a sack. And he matter. wouldn't even really use his lower body when he would throw, <laughs> no. it, right? It seemed like he would. It would just be kind of an all upper body thing where he's slanging and whipping. Rocket, people, man, people, gosh, people yeah. were, kids. If you want to watch, like yeah, I know everybody, go, yeah, everybody watches Mahomes, right? You wanna, you wanna watch a quarterback that can just flat out fling the damn football. Go pull up like yeah. eighty four Dan Marino on YouTube. It's and fun just watching have a him good throw time. comebacks and stuff. Like on his, off his back foot, falling <laughs> back in a lead. It's like what? No, no, no. It is. He's some freaky stuff out there with Dan Marino. I remember there was a, yeah. a like a you know the NFL wired stuff, whatever they oh, call yeah, it. Yeah. Sound effects. Yeah. There was one Jimmy Johnson's first year coaching the Dolphins. Uh, Marino's like in a two minute drill and just calling it on the fly and flinging it, and he goes to silence. Jimmy's like, "What was that?" And Marino's like, "Oh, I just see." So Jimmy's like. That's good. I ain't never seen nothing like that before. Who's <laughs> <laughs> that? No, I mean, he had Troy Aikman, too. So yeah, no. That, like, hey, that's hey, that's a special kind of fe- freaks in the league, man. Uh, that dude was a mutant. Love me some Dan Marino. Excellent Ace Ventura also. Great the stat there. Um, Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. But I was thinking about this. We don't play the schedule game on the show anymore, but getting back to expectations and everything. I kind of broke it down into two segments, Rod, in terms of kind of where Texas should go. Assuming Texas gets to that point where they kind of win the games they should, like Louisiana Monroe, UTSA at home. Even yeah. though Jeff Trailer's going to bring a pretty hmm. solid team in here. It's tough kinda in like, the Big 12, the games you should. It's not many of those Exactly. Anymore. Yeah. So I kind of broke it down into three. There, there's three games that you say, okay, these are the three games that you're probably looking at it. Those are the three games you could very easily lose. Obviously, Alabama at home, mm-hmm. uh, the Oklahoma game. And then Baylor's regular season finale against Baylor. So you think, okay, could you realistically go 0 3 in those three games? Yeah, you could. Yeah. Uh, at the very least, to get to where you want to be, you probably need to be 1 and 2. Uh, if you're 2 and 1 in those three, then, oh, that's amazing. then you're probably headed to, n- to 9 to I was going to say, you're headed to potentially double digit wins then. Here's why, this, and this is the one thing that just gives me pause about Texas, aside from everything we talked about. It's Steve Sarkeesian's record in road games as a head coach. Mm-hmm. And that second segment I'm talking about, it's your four true road games. And you think about the road trips this team has this year. You go to Lubbock, mm. you go to Stillwater, you go to Manhattan, and don't laugh, but you go to Lawrence. Hey, I, I ain't laughing. What do you mean? Already, I already got a coach oh, yeah, fired up there. Pay, I've been paying attention. I ain't laughing at that. And think about this. Hell, Vince Young Think about this, because these, exactly. these two teams didn't play in 2020. In the last five meetings against Kansas, oh, man. Texas is 0-5 against the spread with two outright losses. Yeah, I know you. That's a, that's all. That's like a Dan Marino stat. And that's, that's just been it's adding like, to what? it. Jeff's been bringing that stat for years, and it's only got worse. Well, I was going to say, it ain't getting any better. No. No. <laughs> haven't beat Kansas and, since 2019. Wow. And, you th- and, and you think about Steve Sarkeesian's road record as a head coach. What is the road record? 13-31. and 31. Yeah, that ain't good. And you just think about how, granted, Texas played some of the better teams they played last year, especially the better defenses they played last year. Uh, let me grab my, looking at SP+. Plus. Uh, Baylor, 13th in the country at SP+, Plus defense. You played them on the road. Uh, Iowa State, 19th in the country, defensive SP+. Plus. You played them on the road. Uh, you played Arkansas on the road last year. Uh, even the TCU game, like that TCU defense wasn't a great defense. They were 109 in the country in SP+, Plus defense. TCU actually tied for 124th with Kansas last year, 7.21 yards per play allowed. And you you had to kind of hang on to win that game. Texas just did not play well on the road. And then you throw in, like, and given, I'm expecting those environments to be hostile. As Lawrence, is, Lawrence is a different deal, especially if you're playing the 11 o'clock kick, 11 a.m. kick. Rod, you've been you played road games at Kansas. Mm-hmm. You've been you, as a sideline reporter. You've been to road games at Kansas. You play the eleven a.m. game in Lawrence. I've said it for years. You're it's, yawning before it's the, the most under <laughs> it's the most underrated. Oh, no. 
field. It's the most yeah, underrated home field advantage in the Big 12. It is. Because you don't want to be there. It's probably late in the year. It's yeah. probably cold. There's no juice in the stadium. Yeah. You, you're assuming the other team sucks, and you're just going to kick their ass real quick and get back on the bus and go home. Like, it's... It's tough to get up for that one. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. It's like bizarro home field. Advantage. It really not is because it's it's like a <laughs> formidable one because yeah. like it's nobody there. So you're like, this is weird. my practices. I'm more hyped than this. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I'm with you. It's all about intrinsically being able to motivate. It is a test on the road, like a lot. The road is, and I think another thing that, that hurts the team on the road hurt them last year. The road, listen, the road is about leadership. Yep. The leaders are the ones who set the who who kind of set the mood on the road. They're the ones who set the schedules on the road. They're the ones who decide, no, 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 that's not going to be a distraction. We're going to be focused. And I think the lack of leadership really, really it was debilitating for Texas because on the road, those you need your captains to stand up and to assert themselves. And you didn't have any of that last season. No, no, because you know that on the road, listen, you're going to face adversity. It's inevitable. I don't care where it comes. It'll be some off-field yeah. distraction or whether it be on the field. Road, the, uh, the road is all about adversity. That's why it's going to be you against the world. You guys, us against the world. Mm-hmm. That's why, you know, we're in, our, we're in a stormtrooper tight whites. It's us, and you're supposed to relish that experience that everybody hates you. It's everything's going to be going against you, nothing but adversity, and relish pulling out a dub, a dub in the midst of all that. Um, and last year, they didn't have that type of attitude. They, they folded in the midst mm. of adversity. And, you know, with conference realignment that's moved to the SEC on the horizon, this might be the last time Texas goes to Lubbock. Oh, yeah. For, oh, for, 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 for a while, if oh, yeah. not. Lubbock going to be cra- Lubbock crazy anyway. Probably going to be the last time you go to Manhattan. Man. Could be the last time you go to Stillwater. And all those places are going to be nuts. Yeah. Yes. The fervor of knowing nuts. that they got Texas They're coming in anyway. here and yeah. Texas is bailing on us. Yeah. Oh, no, it's going to be crazy, man. Rod, I still say you, you were there for this one. I think, including the Arkansas game last year, I think the loudest road environment I've ever been in for a football game was the 2012 game in Stillwater, where David yeah, Ash hit the fourth down pass to DJ Grant, and mm-hmm. that Joe, Joe Bergeron was it a fumble? Was it not? Yeah. Like I'm standing in the end zone with like Kevin Durant's like ten feet from me. Like I can't, I can't. It, it just sounds like this sharp piercing inside my ears like I can't hear anything. Yeah, you. I've always given the engineers who built uh, that Oklahoma State mm-hmm. Stadium a ton of credit because even when I was playing there, they, they built it like a freaking college basketball arena. Those fans, I can hear people yelling and screaming. Like, I can hear, I literally can, meet, we're making adjustments. I'm like, I can hear this guy. You know what I mean? In so my ears, literally. So tight. Like, literally, I can hear everything they're saying. It is uh, it is very unique in that respect, and they make the most out of it. So I'm with you. It's, and now I think it's even worse than it used to be. And yeah. it's funny you bring up that exact comparison, because I've heard Craig Way talk about their Galaga-Iba arena, their basketball arena, and what did they do when they expanded? They just built a layer on top of it. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, they didn't build a <laughs> new expanded, arena. Yeah. They just built it straight up. Yeah. And that's sort of how you're oh, explaining man. how they built their football yeah. stadium. It's it, it, it works, man. It does. It works. It just so to to get to where Texas wants to be to maximize this insane amount of offensive potential that you've got, which you probably to, to get to nine wins, tell to get to eight, you're, you're going to need to maximize every bit of that offense you can. Mm-hmm. And when you talk when you talk about keeping your defense off the field, you can't rely on special teams. We talk about Sark in terms as a play caller. We talked about personnel groupings. I wonder if the K State game for him last year was kind of a revelation in terms of, yeah, you can kind of get outside the box. Like, the the Wildcat with Roshan Johnson, that should be your short yardage package. 
It should be. It should be one of them. It, it can't be the only thing, but it definitely should be part of it. Your yes. prior. Let me say. Yeah. Let me rephrase. Should be your featured short yardage. Package. It should be. Yes. It should be part of the feature package. Yeah. You can do that. Um. My wife. It, it was so effective. I actually asked uh Fozzie Whitaker about it when we had him on the show because mm. Fozzie ran it right. We had the yeah. Wild so Fozzie well. Back the Fozzie he ran Bear. it really well. And I asked Fozzie, I said, Fozzie, have you been paying attention to how well Rojo runs the Wildcat? And he's like, Yeah. I asked him straight up, like, Do you, Do you think you you would be better running the Wildcat? He's like, No, Rojo's better. Yeah. It's something about Rojo maybe playing quarterback mm-hmm. that he's able to see the Pre-snap running lanes. Where some, yeah, I don't know what it – and obviously Rojo can throw it. Rojo yeah. has a throwing threat because he used to play quarterback. So I'm with you. I don't know why. I think it took Sark a little while to figure out how effective it was. But trust me, I've been tracking it for a while, and it is easily Texas' most effective running concept. They Actually, they averaged almost eight yards per rush. Out of Wildcat. And if you take out the longest rush was that touchdown, that what 70 yard yeah, versus Rice, Rice. Still averaged over five yards per rush out yeah. of the Wildcat. Yeah. And I don't know if Wildcat is a personnel package or a formation. Maybe it's both. It's like a tomato. Maybe it's a fruit and a vegetable. I have no idea. But it is, it's it's one of those freaky things where if you got the right guy to run it, which I think Texas has the perfect guy to run it, mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm with Jeff. You need to run more of it. Yeah. Situation and specific. We always talk about you know how great Bijan is yards after contact. Is last year you ended up having Roshan edge out Bijan on yards after contact, being four point oh six to three point nine four. It was the last game of the year that got mm-hmm. his average above. So case if we're talking about inside yeah. short yardage and running type of wildcat, like if you're talking about on an average, he's getting four after contact. It doesn't matter if they're penetrating into the backfield. You still got a chance to pick up the yard. At, uh, at Big 12 Media Days, I had Rojo on Light the Tower, and we're talking about the wildcat. I said, have you lobbied Sart to run that more? He's like, and his answer, I loved it. He said, I don't think I really need to lobby for it. He's like, you can look at the numbers. It works. <laughs> and and I, was, and I was like, I was like, how come? And I asked him about the quarterback thing. He's like, he's like, I, he said he got so comfortable last year and he was in such a zone that before the snap, he started clapping like he would back at Port Nature's <laughs> Groves. Like that was their, up, their cadence for the snap. Yeah, that's great. So he's like, I wasn't doing the. He's like, I just went back to what I did in high school. He's like, Jake Muscle snapped memory. me the ball. He's like, but I, I was. He's like, I was in such a zone. I was so focused that it just. Yeah, he awesome. said it was like muscle memory. That is fantastic. That is great. Yeah, and I'm glad. To, I mean, I'm I'm glad because it looked like he was relaxed. It looked like he was perfectly comfortable in mm-hmm. that uh, net set. And you're right. They got to run more of that with him. And you got to add the passing element to it. You got yeah. to. And they, they tried last year. They tried one time last year, remember? And I think he ends up like an incompletion or something like that. Or no, he ended up running it, actually. He ran it. He was going to scramble. He was scrambling, looking for somebody. He decided, no, I'm just running. Bottom line, though, wherever, whatever you think the win ceiling for Texas is, if you're listening to this, if you think it's eight, if you think it's nine, if you think it's 10, mm-hmm. it is all about squeezing every drop of juice possible out of that offense. Totally agree. Yeah, which means Sark has to be more uh, versatile and has to have more variety with his formations and with his personnel packages. And I think you will see this year him be uh, probably as diverse in his formation uh, selection and probably have as much variety in his personnel package as we've ever seen from him as a play caller or a head coach. That should be the case. Because I think he needs to break more tendency. I think he needs to establish tendency and break tendency consistently. And I think these defensive minds, these masterminds in the Big 12, it'll be tougher for them to game plan against them. The problem is you start to build up too many tendencies uh, toward the middle of the year, mm-hmm. and you didn't break enough of them. Yeah. The one you started to break is when you had to in the K-State game, and it worked out for exactly. you. Exactly. So I think you need to build up tendencies, break those tendencies, and then build up more. And the way you do that is 
formation versatility and variety with your personnel packages. And then it, to everybody else, it'll seem like, man, I don't know what the hell he's doing. He's something. He's in something different every day. But you, every game. But you, you understand, and he'll understand that it's still the basic, still the same concepts for, formationally. But he's just using a lot of different looks. Well, and, and I think mm-hmm. that's what he needs to establish. He has a lot more options for those looks this year. If you just look at personnel-wise, to where like last year, what can be viewed as tendencies from last year also were necessities, possibly from the amount of skill position you guys you have just so rarely are you in a situation like Sark is here that this year you can be doing something that you think is maybe most advantageous yet it's also breaking tendency from what's on film because there's just a limited amount of sample to view on Sark's offense and it's going to be a lot different this year. It it all ties together because the other two factors as, as we get ready to wrap up the other two factors on offense are number one how many things can you do and what can you do as much as you can to protect the offensive line to, to mask their deficiencies? That'll show your ceiling. Yeah, and, and, and again, we've talked about it a lot. With quick game, whatever. There's plenty of ways you can disguise disguise their deficiencies up to a point. At some point, the rubber has to meet the road and those guys have to get it done, but to a large extent, you can do it. And then the fact of the matter is this is you've got to treat this, whether it is or not, I think we all believe that it is, You've got to treat this like Sark knows he's got 12 games, whatever, the bowl game, postseason, whatever, with Bijan, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So how diverse, how diverse can you be with him? How many different ways can you get him the football? That's what I love in, in this debate. I broke this down on my show, kind of the numbers between the two, between Bijan Robinson and Deuce Vaughn, because a lot of Texas fans got up in arms with PFF, said Deuce Vaughn was the top returning running back yeah. in college football. And we talk about it a lot, Rod. I love the way K State gets Deuce Vaughn involved because they get in the ball so many different ways. Like I was, he's featured. I guess I shouldn't be based on the way their offense functions. He's like fifty-five, forty-five gap power schemes compared to zone. So it's not like he's just running in his own offense. They get him, they hand him the ball in a number of ways. We talk about their cross buck action in the backfield, how much they use multiple back sets, multiple tight end sets to get him isolated on linebackers and safeties. I love the way they use Deuce Vaughn and how they free him up. It, and he's the biggest weapon in the passing game. Yeah. It's and, and and we talk about Bijan's Xavier Worth included. Bijan's probably got the best hands on the team. I think that all ties together: protecting the offensive line, maximizing Bijan, figuring out all these other weapons, the different ways you can get a Keelan Robinson, a Jordan Whittington, a Tariq Milton, get them to football. It, I'll throw Jaleel Billingsley in there too. It all ties together in terms of you have to be diverse, you have to mix it up, you have to break tendency, you've got to do stuff that maybe. Maybe it's not a, based on practice or the look or whatever. It might not be a personnel grouping or a formation or whatever that you feel comfortable with. But you feel like, I'm going to trust my guy that if I get him the ball in this spot, he can go make a play and go make me right. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I, I think he can't afford, because like I say he can't play complimentary football, can't afford to count on the defense and especially to win you games. You have to be overly dependent on the offense, which means you have to have a lot of layers to your offense. If you're if, you, if it's not multi-layered, then by mid-season, it'll start to become stale and predictable. All right? The more layers you throw on that offense, the more unpredictable you're going to be, and it's going to allow you to break tendency consistently and make you tougher to game plan up against. Well, and when you view just overall, ceiling if we're talking about reaching that ceiling you know your talent level is all it basically is shows you what your ceiling could be Mm -hmm. but in order to achieve or ascend to that 
It's how those pieces fit together and then how they work together because there's so many different unique combinations in the chemistry that it's involved to where you can have all the talent in the world, but that just indicates what your ceiling could be. To achieve it and to ascend to that level is all about how they fit together and work together, and that's the sort of thing that you're still trying to figure out at Texas for a decade. And this week we'll start to figure out if they can get it rolling in year two, Hunter Sark. That's going to do it for this week's show. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. From, for Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049 AM twelve sixty streaming on the Horn app at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod B. and Mike Harge. Each and every weekday on Ball Don't Lie from 3 to 7. Seamus Block. You can also get myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, get all of our archives. Our classic interviews and shows are available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Search Horns 24-7 anywhere you get your podcast. That's Horns 247, no dashes, no slashes. Click that follow button. Get every episode of the Blitz when it drops on Tuesday. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. And we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.